Welcome home to Voice of Praise Worship Center. You know, for a number of years ago, we adopted as our motto or our slogan, actually our, 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 uh, our focus is that we're a family of, of Christian followers doing life together. And that's exactly why we're here this morning. We're doing life together. And let me tell you something. Life can get messy sometimes. Did you know that? Yeah, life can get messy sometime. A number of years ago, there was a book that I read, and some of you may have read it yourself, but it was uh, the book, and I can't remember who authored the book, but it was called They Smell Like Sheep. You know, and any shepherd that knows anything about sheep uh, and sheep herding, a shepherd would probably tell you that most of his sheep don't smell too good. Sometimes they don't look too good. Sometimes they get dirty, and they get briars hung in their in their uh in their fur and they get or they'll maybe uh get a sore hoof or or something sheep probably even have bad breath i don't know i've never smelled a sheep's breath so i can't say that and be accurate about it but but we're here just doing life together and helping each other along the way and i'm so glad that you are here this morning welcome home we're glad to have you this morning i want you to go in your bibles to the book of joshua and as we go to the book of Joshua, uh, I, I want to take you, I hope to take you on a little journey this morning, but we're starting in the book of Joshua and we're going to go so, to some other places through scripture, uh, this morning and as we get to the end of this journey. But I want you to keep in mind that we are doing life together. We are, we are, we are, we all have our struggles and I'm going to, I'm going to elaborate on that a little, little bit more here in just a moment. Uh, John, you don't have to advance at one page for me, please, sir. My clicker's not clicking. Joshua chapter six. As we go to Joshua chapter six, we're going to pick up reading at verse 27. As we go to Joshua six, verse 27, the scripture reads, so the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. The Lord was with Joshua. Keep that in mind. He was with, he was with Joshua so much that the fame of Joshua was known throughout the known world at that time. Joshua had just took a bunch of hard-headed people and marched around a city seven days. The seventh day marched seven times and then began to, to blow on the ram's horns and shout and the walls of the city fell flat. Uh, archaeology digs even tell us that it seemed that the, the walls of the city weren't even in a rubble. They actually felt flat. They receded into the, into the ground. Joshua's pretty famous. He was, he was known to be a follower of Jesus. But then we go, go ahead and advance guys. You don't have to do this for me. My clicker's not clicking. Joshua chapter seven. Chapter, chapter seven, verse number one. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. God had given them a victory, but God had also given them instruction. God, the Israelites were unfaithful or they were dishonest is actually a great word that you could substitute there. The Israelites were dishonest in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, the devoted things. The Babylonian treasure is what he's talking about. The treasures of the enemy. 
treasures of the enemy. Achan saw these things and he thought, ah, he didn't, he didn't take a whole boatload because we're going to read in just a minute and you're going to find out that it was simply just enough that he could hide them in his tent. More than likely, uh, he, uh, in their tent, there were rugs that in their tent, more than likely he dug a very shallow hole and put these treasures in a shallow hole and then threw the rug over top of it. Hmm? Okay. Jump on down to verse 19 as they advance to the next slide for me. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord and the God of Israel and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Let me pause right there. Let me share a biblical principle with you at this point. Joshua is not Jesus. Okay? Everybody say that with me. Joshua is not Jesus. But Joshua or Yeshua is a type or an illustration of Jesus. So you could, in a metaphoric sense here, you could say, so Jesus, or Joshua, Yeshua, says to Achan, I need you to tell me what you've done. And do not hide it from me. You know what? The Lord's saying that to us today. You know, he speaks that into our hearts and our lives today and, and, and he wants us to, he wants to hear from us. He said, when I saw in the plunder, and this is Achan speaking, when I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them. You could even ad-lib that just a little bit and say, I covered them and took them even though I knew I wasn't supposed to. They are hidden in the ground inside of my tent with the silver underneath, Achan replied. It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. That is what I have done. So Joshua sent messengers And they ran to the tent, and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, they brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out, laid everything out before the Lord. Father, we ask that you add your blessing to the reading of this word. And Lord, may words I speak penetrate hearts and lives in this room today for your glory, your honor, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we see here a, a, if you would, a classic circumstance of temptation. We think of temptation, most often we give uh, the devil his due. We credit temptation to the devil and Rightfully so, mind you, and 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 we we we're very critical of him, and and I mentioned this a few weeks ago about a, a African American comedian that used to be on TV, flip guy that was the name of Flip Wilson, and Flip Wilson used to say his he one of his famous lines was, "The devil made me do it." 
And, and, the, and the devil is a tempter. In fact, we find that that is one of his names given. But we also see another factor in when it comes to temptation. It's not only Satan himself, but it's also our flesh. Our flesh. Whether you realize that we got some of these young guys in the room and, and in the building today, man, they're bodybuilders. They work out. They got muscles. They got muscles popping out here and muscles popping out there. And, and, and I only have one at my age. I only have one muscle popping out. And that's cause I've been close, close to, too close to the table. As you can tell, it's called table muscle. But, but, but they're young and some of these guys are strong and, and, and muscular and, and what have you. But even in that, I want to tell you, as strong as you may be in your physical body, I want you to know this, your flesh is still weak. And my flesh is prone to weakness. Remember, we're in this room, we're doing life together. We're all, we all have the, we all have the same battles, only different. And I know that doesn't really, that's a little bit redundant. doesn't make a whole lot of sense and uh, contradicts, contradicts itself, I guess is a better word for it. But the fact of the matter is we're warning against Satan, but we're also warning against flesh. When I read Romans chapter 3, verses 22 through 23, I find out there in the, Paul's writing to a very, very educated group of people in Rome that everybody has sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter who we are. And until, whether your preference is Jim Shires or whoever it may be, until, until the, the man is called to come pick us up, or we are, we are raptured out of this world with the, with the second appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter which one of those occurs first, you and I are still in a spiritual warfare with Satan and with ourselves, and we are tempted. And there are things in our life, if we are not on guard, if we do not guard our hearts that we will fall prey to. That is exactly what happened to Achan. Achan did his job. He did what he was supposed to do as part of Joshua's army. But then Achan began to look at the Babylonian garment and the treasures there of the Babylonian people and, and dollar marks and, and, and thoughts of success begin to rise up in his mind. And listen, it's not that God doesn't want us to succeed. It's not that God doesn't want us to have good things, but God does want us to have them his way. Just like Burger King, you know, have it your way. We want to have it God's way. And, and so, so we see that Achan's eye got distracted. His mind began to yield to the temptation and his mind led to his hands and his hands began to pick up the things that he wasn't supposed to have. And we, we can fully understand that, that, that Achan realized this for why else would he have hidden it? Why would have he he have hidden it? There's two general forms of sin. Now we don't we don't like to use that. That word's not too popular in church world today anymore. It's it's too abrupt. It's too violent. You know, but there's there are two general forms of sin. First, there's the sin of commission. The sin of commission is a sin that that we have engaged in or we have made action to engage in that is outside what we know is God's intended will for us. We made a decision. You know, Achan made a decision to lay hold of that Babylonian treasure. 
Sometimes you and I made decisions. Maybe it's a decision. And, and, you know, we used to preach, you know, about, you know, I used to call them like the five biggies, you know, and I don't even remember if I can name all five of them anymore, but we used to smoke, uh, preach about smoking, drinking, cussing, chewing, and running around on your spouse. That's the things we used to preach on. Sometimes it'd be a little bit more extensive than that. You know, we get into clothing and, and different things like that. But, but let me tell you something. Sin goes much more and much deeper than those things. But there are sins of commission. And the sins of commission is when we say, a, we say words or we exercise a vocabulary that is unbecoming to the Lord. And I'm not saying that we use cuss words, but sometimes our attitude and sometimes words we speak can be harsh and hurtful. And, and there's things that we can do. Sins of commission. We, we say, and, We'll even excuse ourselves sometimes with, with, with things like, well, I know I sh- probably shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to tell you this right now. Mm. Uh-huh. If we know we shouldn't say it, why do we say it? You see, we're in that battle. We're in that war with, 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 with not only Satan, but with, with the flesh, that carnal part of us that, that tries to rise up. So there's a sins of commission, the sin that we've engaged or had took action to engage in something that we know is not really God's will. It could be very large, but it could be very small. You know, we, and I, I could get parked on there, but I'm not going to. I'm going to move on. The other form of sin is the sin of omission. Commission is the first. Omission is the second sin. Omission is the neglecting to respond to carry forth what we know or what we perceive to be God's will. Well, I know the Lord, I know the Lord would have me go down and help my neighbor out, but I really just don't have time. I've told this story a few times over the years here at Voice of Praise, but I want to share it again this morning because there's some people I'm sure here, here that never heard it before. A number of years ago, back in the day when my son was, uh, was, was younger and, and of course his mom was still alive in that day and, and, and as, uh, as he was younger and, uh, we were all, you know, we we're all busy in life. He was playing little league ball and all kinds of stuff. You know, he's this typical kid and he was an only child so he was getting spoiled and got to do everything he wanted to do and, and, and so forth and so on. And, 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 uh, you know, my yard had got really really tall. And I'm, I'm a little bit particular about my yard. I, I'm, I must admit, I don't let Sister Sarah mow the yard because I want my yard to be in straight lines. You know, this time it mows this way. The next time you mow it this way. The next time you mow it this angle. The next time you mow it that angle. I'm on, I want my yard to look like a checkered tablecloth. You know, I want it, I want it to look good. You know, I, I, I'm a little bit picky about my yard. My yard had got really tall and really high, and I was out mowing my yard. At that time, I had, you know, some of y'all, I don't believe I don't even say this, I had a Ford riding mower. Ford tractors are okay, it's just their other vehicles, you know. Uh, so, so I, I, I'm out on my little Ford, I'm mowing the yard, and, and as I'm mowing the yard, I, I, I sense the unction of the Holy Spirit that's saying to me, you need to go and visit Miss Louise Ayers. Now, I know you all don't know who Louise Ayers is. She lived up in Freeze, F-R-I-E-S, not Fries, Freeze, Virginia. And, and, and I said, Lord, you know I've got to get this yard mowed. And, and I stopped and, and I walked in and I told my, my late wife, I said, I need to, uh, I, I said, the Lord 
spoke to me and says, we need to go see Sister Louise Ayers. I said, but I got to get this yard mowed. I said, if I don't, I said, it's got, I always got ahead of me. And she said, well, you need to do what the Lord's told you to do and forget about the yard. I said, no, 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 I'm mowing my yard. I mowed my yard. The plan was the next day, as soon as she got home and she and I both got home from work, that we would load up and we would drive about 45 minutes to freeze and there, and I would go visit Miss Louise Ayers. Well, my son had brought one of his buddies home from school. His dad was supposed to be there to pick him up. He didn't show up at seven, six o'clock. He still hadn't shown up at seven o'clock. He still hadn't shown up around eight o'clock. Harry showed up to pick up his son. I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry, but I was a bit frustrated, but we were ready. We were waiting. We were in the van ready to go visit Miss Louise Ayers. I drove the 45 minutes to Louise Ayers' hometown of Freeze, and and when we got there, I didn't know, I knew what apartment complex she lived in, but I wasn't sure of what apartment. I pulled up. It's on a Friday evening. I wasn't thinking a whole lot about it. There was a lot of people gathered around. I still didn't think a whole lot about it. So I get out of the out of the van, and I walk over to a young man, and I said, young man, I am looking for the apartment of Miss Louise Ayers. Could you direct me to which one is hers? He said, sure. It's right around the corner. He said, but she passed away about an hour ago. You see, I knew what I needed to do, but I didn't do it. I knew what I should have done when the Holy Spirit was dealing with my heart. But I did. my yard was more important with the straight lines. You see, so so I, I have to admit, I, I confess my fault before you, as I have so many times, as I've shared that story time and time again. But but I, I sinned in a sin of omission because I knew and I perceived what was right and what was God's will, but yet I neglected to do God's will. And that, to me, became sin. Now what happens, whether it's a sin of commission or a sin of omission, what happened? Sin will birth the instinct in every single one of us. Sin will birth the instinct to hide. Adam and Eve, what did they do? Now God comes along, he says, Adam, where are you? God did, God's not, he's not lost it, okay? He, he knew where Adam and Eve were. They were his creation. He knows where we are. He knows where you are. And he knows where I am. Adam, where are you and Eve at? Oh, we're over here in the bushes, Lord. Hold on. We're just tying on our last fig leaves. See, why are you doing that? To cover our nakedness. They hid themselves from God and then they were hiding their, na- they were hiding their self behind the cloak of fig, fig leaves. You see, the, the sin of Adam and Eve had a sin of commission. They had engaged in something they knew was not God's will. But then there was this guy named Jonah. This guy named Jonah, he needs to be going eastward according to God's command. He decides he don't want to do what God's told him to do. So he goes westward and he ends up being swallowed by a great fish. We call it a whale. And Jonah finds himself in the belly of a whale going to the, into the deep. And he was there for three days, symbolizing, if you would, even a, a comparison of the son of man going to the heart of the earth. But here's the deal. Jonah found himself in that circumstance circumstance in that situation because Jonah had sinned a sin of omission 
He knew what to do, but yet he didn't do it. Achan, we read about this morning, Achan, Achan is a sin of commission. Achan knew he was doing wrong when he took that treasure. As did in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira, they knew it was wrong when they sold the property and then, but they lied about how much they got out of it. The instinct to hide is driven by, I'm, and I'm not sure, but, but, but just in my mind, I have to think that the instinct for us to hide our sin or our shortcomings and our fallacies is driven by shame and embarrassment and possibly even conviction. I, I still believe in Holy Ghost conviction. Is there anybody else in this room still believe in Holy Ghost conviction? God says I didn't, Lord said I didn't come to condemn. And, and, and the world somehow has got so confused. Even the church world has got so confused. We don't know the difference between condemnation and conviction. And I, but I still believe that the Lord, the Holy Spirit is in the world. He is our advocate. He comforts us. He helps us and He guides us, but He also convicts us. He, not it. He also convicts us. So, so maybe, maybe, just maybe then it's shame, embarrassment, or there's some even conviction that causes us to hide. What does hide mean? Hide means to put something out of sight or to conceal it from the view or the ability of others to notice. So we see throughout scripture in many different places, that people have hid stuff thinking nobody will know. Bury an Egyptian in the sand. Nobody's going to know. But there's an all-seeing eye. I think Proverbs 15 and 3. Go ahead, guys, in advance. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Keeping watch on the evil and the good. You know, we used to sing an old, old friend of mine, old preacher friend in the, in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. His name was Alex Gravely. And Alex Gravely used to sing a song, uh, you can't hide from God wherever you go. There's no escaping the eye of God. You can't go high enough on the mountain. You can't go low enough in a cave. You can't go to the bottom of the ocean. There's no way that we can hide from God. And, and, and we, as we understand that, that God sees and God knows, we can't hide from Him. We go back to think about Adam and Eve. They, they thought they were hiding. Jonah thought he was hiding. Achan thought he had hidden the treasure well. And Ananias and Sapphira thought they had hid the money or put away the money away. Nobody would ever know it. But we can't hide from God. And what happens is, and we don't like to think about this part. But sin will bring judgment every time. Now, you know, a few years ago, and and you don't see as much of it now, but the young people got into this thing a few years ago. And not only young people, everybody, I guess, they got into this this thing of, of if, if you spoke to them or if you expressed yourself concerning something, even for their well-being, they look at you, don't judge me. 
Don't judge me. And I don't have, I don't have the righteousness to judge you, but I know one that is righteous. And God is still the righteous judge. And when he judges, he judges out of, out of that righteousness. And as he judges out of that righteousness, and I'm not trying, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to scare anybody, if you would today, but listen to me. Adam and Eve were judged, but they, and they were judged with the, Pain, Eve with its pain of childbearing. And they were banished from the Garden of Eden. And there was flaming angels set to guard the gate of Eden. Jonah was swallowed by that whale that we spoke about a few minutes ago. And he had to go. Jonah probably thought he was going to die in the depths of the ocean. He probably thought that he was going to to be consumed by the digestive juices uh, in that whale's belly. It was going to erode him and, and consume his body. If you read the story of Achan in its entirety, you find that Achan was taken outside the city and Achan was stoned to death. You read of Ananias and Sapphira in the in the New Testament, and you'll find that, that they were individually interviewed, and as they came in for their interview, they both dropped dead right there in their tracks as they lied over their sin. But when God judges, God judges in righteousness. He judges in fairness. Don't compare yourself, and I can't compare myself with what somebody else is doing, because I'm going to stand before a righteous judge that is going to judge by a righteous word. Oh, but for the grace of God. Advance to my title slide there, guys. If you can find it. Shh. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. I don't tell you something. Some of you might not believe this, but I have my faults. I have my failures. And I have my fallacies. My wife doesn't think so. Forgive me, Jesus. I confess my, I confess my sin. And I could follow you a little ways and I could find out you have yours too. We all have them. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to make this Christian walk more difficult or too difficult to make you think nobody can walk it. But what I am saying to you is this. God wants us to come clean before him. When we're, shh, don't tell anyone. I used to work at one of the places I worked at a number of years ago. There was this like in, in the fall of the year. Well, it's really all year round, but especially in the fall of the year, there was this competition between all the hunters in the in the workplace. And, and, and one hunter, he thought he could out hunt anybody else. And it didn't matter what somebody else accomplished out in the woods, in the field. He could outdo it. You know, you just couldn't outdo this guy. And, and, and he accused some of the other hunters for doing illegal things while there was hunting. And one day he was sitting and talking to me. He said, he said, I want to tell you something. I asked him, I said, so you've never done anything that's against the law or illegal? He said, well, one time, he said, I, I found this deer, he said, and it had its leg hung in the fence. He said, and I could have probably got it out, he said, but instead I just went ahead and shot it. 
He said, and it wasn't in season. He said, but I never told anybody. I said, you have now. <laughs> I said, I know. He said, nobody else knows it. I said, but I know it. Now you know it. That's been a lot of years ago, though. But here's the thing about it. God's wanting us to come clean. How do we become clean? Shh, don't tell anyone. No, that's not really the way. We have to admit our struggles. We Now, now I'm, I'm going to read a scripture to you. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13, if you all go to that. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I need mercy. I got news for you. You need mercy too. We need a savior and all but for the grace of God. And, and, and listen, an old preacher friend of mine, he's been passed away many, many years ago. He didn't have much education, but he made a lot of sense sometimes as he would preach. And he would get up every once in a while during Sunday school class back in the days of Sunday school. And he would say, he would say, I want to tell, he said, my good people, I want to tell you all one thing. He said, honest confession is good for the soul, but it sure can be bad for your reputation. We need to be careful who we tell what to. Okay? But the one thing, and it's good to have people that are accountability partners that will hold you accountable. But listen to me. What I'm talking about this morning is we need to come clean before the Lord. We need to become honest with Him. He knows what's going on in our lives anyway. We need to admit to Him, Lord, I can't deal with, I'm having this problem dealing with this or that or doing this or doing that. I'm having a problem in this area of my life. I admit to you, Lord, I am struggling. I admit to you my sin and then we have to put aside sin you know in in all the controversy of the world today some of the sexual perversion is at the top of the list total top of the list and I've heard so many people say well what I do in my own home and my privacy is my own business and I guess there is some truth in that but yet that does not approve of the sin that is going on you see you see and, and we think because that is the the big controversy in the world today that's probably at the top of our list too of sin and they in life group this morning, which I want to invite you to come to life group some life group sometime. We'd love to have you at nine forty five. But in life group this morning, we was talking about. Uh, uh, I think Doug was talking about the brought it up about. Sometimes we cover stuff up and, and and we we make stuff look better than it actually is. Sometimes we we want to look good. We we want to produce this persona. You know that's why many times people are driving around in cars they can't afford or living in houses that are beyond their means. Uh, I think it's Dave Ramsey that says that that there are people driving around. They're in debt to have cars. And, and live in homes to uh, they spend money they don't have and they can't afford to impress people that don't even really care. We're, we're, we're about conveying that. We want to convey that persona. You know, that's why we've got all of our stuff and 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 we uh, 
you know, we, we have all these things in life. We, we want to present. Okay. But we not only do that in our, in our, uh, financial lives or our, our social lives, if you would, but we also do that in our church lives. Oftentimes. We do that in our church and we want to present ourselves and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to use that strong word that we use. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as use the word hypocrite. Uh, but, but I will use this that sometimes, sometimes we just need to come to that place in our Christian life. You know, where are the days? Where have the days gone when you could give an altar call and the altars would fill up with people? Some of you are old enough to remember that. Now, now you give an altar call, you can't beg people hardly to the altar because we're thinking, well, if I go up there, some people, somebody's gonna think I've done something wrong, or somebody's gonna think I've got this in my life, or somebody thinks I got that, this in my life. So, we were, we were more satisfied with covering over. Covering over. I used to be in body work. I, I, I ran my own body shop for 10 years. Let me tell you something. You can do a world, you can, you can take a car, you give me, you give me a gallon of fiberglass or a gallon of bondo or a little bit of sheet metal and, and, and a gallon of paint. And I tell you, I can make some things look really good, but in a few months or in a couple of years, it's all going to show back up. But if you cut the whole panel off, if you put the whole bedside on the truck, instead of just packing it full of Bondo, it's going to last a long time. You see, you can cover a lot of things up. Now, 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 this morning, I got out my, what is this, Sarah? I got out my saddle, my, Sarah got me out my good saddle bread jacket. That means belt. You know, it doesn't come all the way around me anymore, but it still fits across my shoulder, so I still wear it, okay? She got out my good saddlebred jacket. And I thought, yeah, that's nice. Got out, hey, this white shirt, I tore, I had to tear the tag off of it right before we came into service. This white shirt was sent to the cleaners. You can still see, if you're close enough, you can see the little clamp. Where this thing was sent to the cleaners, there's nothing like a white shirt that has been sent to the cleaners and, and then been, been starched. There's something about a starched white shirt. I think they look good. I just don't wear white shirts so much because I'm a sloppy eater and I'm surprised I didn't have coffee stains all over this one. And I, know I might not be the prettiest thing in the world, but I tried to look pretty good this morning. I tried to look good. But then, <laughs> then, it's what you haven't been seen for the last 35 or 40 minutes. What you haven't been seen. And you can say, well, what I didn't see won't hurt me. It might not hurt you, but I know it's there. And I know that, that, that my wife helped me stain a perfectly good starched white shirt to stain it up and then shred the back of it. And I'm walking around here all morning long and you all don't even have a clue about it. But God knew. You see, and sometimes our life is so stained and marred and sometimes our life is just hanging in shreds. If you would.
And we've got it covered up, or at least we think we have it covered up, and we are comfortable continuing. Let me tell you something. That jacket was getting hot. And that jacket is making me perspire. You know, I'm not supposed to sweat because I'm the preacher. That jacket is making me perspire. That jacket was covering up all of this mess that's on the back of my shirt. But in the reality, I've known it was there the whole time. And so it is sometimes in our life. We cover things up. Nobody else knows. But at the same time, let's not forget. That God knows. One last scripture up there, guys. I want you to share. The Hebrew writer says, Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness. Let us throw off. Now I want to tell you something. He didn't say take off. He didn't say take off. He didn't say let us ease off. He said let us throw off. That, that has a, that has an indication of violently getting rid of everything that is hindering you. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer, or if you're reading the old English, it says the author and the finisher of our faith. So I've exposed my, I've exposed my filth. I've exposed my stains. I've exposed my, 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 my life, if you would, that is hanging in shreds. And I could walk out this door this evening and this shirt would still be stained and this shirt would still be hanging in shreds. I choose to throw it off. I choose Today, to get rid of the stains. I choose today. And you know what? I can't do it on my own. I don't, if I had the power to do it on my own, I could fix it on my own. My wife is a miracle worker. You give her some Dawn dish detergent, she keeps all my shirts clean. Most of the time, she gets all the stains out. She does a, she's a great wash woman. She does great. But you know, but there's, there's stains that she can't remove in my life. There's stains that she can't remove in her own life. But we need Jesus. So we put on Jesus. And this is a, this is about the best shirt I could find. It says walk by faith. I don't know how God does it. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how He does it through the blood of His Son. But I can tell you what. He takes the stain. He takes the filth. He takes the shreds. He takes the parts of my life that are messed up and He gets rid of them. And then all I have to do is put on the garment of praise and I begin to walk by faith in Him and I will walk in His blessings and I don't have any shame as I look over my shoulder. There's no more tears. There's no more stains. There's nothing else there because I threw it off and He gladly took it and now my faith, my hope, my confidence is in Him and I 
choose to walk in Jesus. Am I perfect? No. Am I walking in a realm that, that, that I never, never will fail or I never will have any stumbles, never will have any mistakes, never will yield to the flesh again? No. But I am in a place where I can walk in the Spirit through faith and I believe wherever my feet trod, the Lord is with me. The Holy Ghost will speak to me. He will deal with my heart. He will keep me safe. I've been sealed. I've been sealed with a plan of redemption like no other that exists. And I can walk in that promise every single day of my life. Would you stand to your feet right now, please? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you a question here this morning. I don't, I don't want to know your, I don't want to know all the details. I'm not asking to know all the details. I don't care, uh, what you may have done or where you may have been. That's not what I'm asking for this morning. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a Catholic priest. I don't want you to come confess to me this morning and leave me a quarter, okay? But what I do want you to do, I want you to come clean before the presence of God. And if you're in this room right now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not, but I'm going to ask you right now, if there's things in your life that you need to come clean before God with, as a statement of your faith, as a statement of your willingness to give it all to God, I want you to know right now that you can step down here. This altar is open. There's nothing magical about walking down the aisle, but it is a statement of faith. Right now, if you're in in this room, if you're in this room and there's things in your life, I want you to I want you to make your way down here right now. Right now. Anybody in this room?